Accomplishment Coaching is proud to present the following fine programming. Accomplishment Coaching, where coaches lead and leaders coach. AccomplishmentCoaching.com. Welcome to The Coaching Show with your host, Master Certified Coach, Christopher McCollum. Thank you, Dick Warren. My name is Christopher McAuliffe, Master Certified Coach. Here with Alex. We haven't seen you in a while. Alex Terranova. He's a he's one of them PCCs. Alex, we haven't seen you in a while. It's a good nickname. Alex, we haven't seen you in a while. Terranova. Mm-hmm. Where you been? What have you been up to that you can tell us about? My brother got married. That's a pretty pretty big deal. I I I feel like uh, so I try. I was I have this thing where I turn other people's events into my vacations. So, right, they have a two-day event. I make it a week-long vacation. Um, I think that's where, I don't know that I was anywhere else. I think that's where I was. I think it just went from Wednesday to Wednesday. So I missed you the last two times. Okay. And uh, now where where you indicated you traveled, was this in the Canary Islands? Was it? No, it wasn't all that. It wasn't all that fancy. I was in Palm Springs. It was, you know, it's like hipster paradise. (laughs) Palm Springs used to be lined with, um, with, uh, I'm trying to see if this, if I'm going to get in trouble for this, but used to be lined with art galleries that represented the one artist who was usually the spouse of the person who purchased the art gallery. Um, there still are a lot of art galleries. Um, there's still a lot of retirees. It seems like it is, um, a very like obviously getaway seems like there's a big um like gay population um but I also know the thing that I noticed when I was out there was like it feels like there's a there's like a hipster it's like a hipster getaway which I was like this is such a I think Palm Springs is a suit I, I let me I should say this I really like Palm Springs I like all those things that we just talked about it's also really unique that all those things came together in one little desert town <laughs> it is and I can't tell you how mildly interested I am. So let's go. Let's move on. It was great to be. Uh, it's great to be back with you, and it was great to be with Greg in your absence. Is there anything that you want to share with the class about your trip or or travels or being gone? You know, I think here's a the one a really great lesson that I think me and some of my family members learned. You know, pe- people in your family are getting married. Typically, everyone has an opinion, right? That's, oh yeah. You know, and and so much those are good opinions. Sometimes they're not so good opinions, but everybody's got an opinion. And when my brother and his wife read their vows, at least for the handful of family members I talked to after, it was like all of us had a little bit of a, got a little bit of a slap in the face from the level of depth, love, commitment, the the way that they expressed their love and commitment to each other was at a level that I think a handful of us did not even realize that they had that type of conversation, that they they wow. engaged with each other like that. And we all walked away with just like a new, a new perspective of them as people and as a couple, like, hey, they might not be doing it our way, but maybe they're doing it their way and their way just doesn't look like ours. And I thought that was really, really powerful. And it was really also cool to see that it multiple, you know, you knew one of our other coaching friends, my cousin and her sister, people that are involved in very, you know, like mindset, coaching, awareness, like all had this same realization all at the same time. So enter your comment about judging books by covers here, right? So mm-hmm. what a lovely, what a lovely note. And um, thanks for, thanks for sharing that with us. I'm now looking at my wife's family and trying to figure out who I've misjudged. <laughs> <laughs> None of them. No, I'm kidding. None of them have misjudged you. Indeed, indeed. Yeah, that's probably the way it went. All right. Well, uh, okay. Um, I don't think I have anything exciting to share with the. I, would, uh, do you miss with, me when Craig? When Craig's here, does is he okay? Do I? Do no, I we don't talk to him. Do I? Need I to, barely yeah. remember you when Craig's here. He's amazing and hilarious and delightful, and he talks about everything from the boardroom to the bedroom. So it's uh, you know it's kind of a big shoe for you to fill. I, I thought it was big shoes for him to fill, but. I, I feel like we've lost the two listeners we had. So should we move forward or is there anything you want to? I mean, do you want to try to go for all of it? Get rid of the last two? Or do you wanna... <laughs> no, I really don't. What I want to do is welcome our guest. Um, is there anything that I know that I know that 
from time to time we have folks on here and we talk about the most recent thing that they've done. But do you mind if I talk about our guest in terms of some things that he's done historically, like well before today? He, um, I don't, I, mean, I don't have I, this in mind, but you're going to do uh, it anyway. So go for it. Just, Dude. just play along, Alex. That's yeah. that's your role here. Know your role. Um, so to be clear, he's a, a leader in the world of coaching. But before this, he was a senior executive at the BBC for many years, the British Broadcasting Corporation. I, I think you've heard of him. Uh, he led their coverage, among other things, of the Lockerbie disaster. He's also a legit coach, got an inside uh, coaching certificate, studied leadership and strategy at Harvard and at Cranfield. And he's the leader of the Edge Coaching and Consultancy. That's a good name. Also an excellent guitarist. Um, currently chairman of three different boards, leadership and uh, development and technology businesses, Black Isle Group, UK Coaching, and Salmon Scotland, which represents a one billion pound sector of the UK economy. Formerly an interim chair and non-executive director of the British Horse Racing Authority, just an extraordinarily uh, diverse and well-qualified human being. Please welcome to our microphones, Athol Duncan. Hello, sir. Hi, it's a pleasure to be there. I didn't quite recognize who that was that you were talking about. It did, it did actually make me think all these titles, but what have I actually done that really matters? We can maybe talk about that. Well, if we've, if we've brought you an existential crisis, then I feel like we've done our work today, <laughs> at least, yeah, at least in already. the first sentence. <laughs> all right, I've, I've, I've sort of been mean to Alex. And Alex, I apologize. I was just teasing you. It's kind of the relationship we have. But... Um, one of the things that I noticed is that this sort of acid, edgy teasing has really uh, accelerated at my house since the pandemic. We're now in arguably year two, maybe three, of the of the pandemic, right? We, things shut down, at least here in the States, right about February to March of 2020. So here we are in mid-February of 2022. You've written a book called Leaders in Lockdown. Am I am I right? Is there is there some edginess and some tension in our lives that wasn't there before? Or are we just getting used to it, do you think? I think there's a lot that has changed in our lives as as leaders, as family members, um, just in so many ways because of what we've all been through. Um, and, it, and, it, and we've gone through quite a few different phrase, phases of this, I think, Christopher. So when when we um set out to write this book, um, spring 2020, one of the things the publishers said to us, you know, well, we'll get this out in the, in the fall, but, you know, will it still be relevant then, the fall 2020? Will people have forgotten about this COVID thing? How are you going to keep it relevant? Um, so we did bring it out um, fall 2020, November into December. And really, what, what we've discovered is uh, it, it was only the first, it was the, only the opening chapters of what we went through. So in, in that sense, I've tried to record a little moment in history, um, but really now use it as fodder, food for thought, for how do we change because of what we've been through. Sorry, I appreciate that, Alex. You, I saw you move, so I thought you were going to talk, but That's I not I've silenced you, Alex. Um, there's something that you both addressed. You know how things have changed in our lives, and then the thing that I've noticed is I'm hearing two conversations coming from different places. One is this conversation of don't let what we've been through, be an excuse, work harder, get it, things done. It's just another excuse. And then the other conversation is go slower, slow down, be gentle. This is a, this is nature's way of, of, of changing the, the tempo or whatnot. What do you, how do you feel like people should, leaders should be being in, in, in the current climate? Well, well, I think um, one of the most common conversations that I'm involved in is, is about a more compassionate, more caring, more listening kind of leadership. Um, and a lot of people challenging uh, what went before. 
um, and the, the demanding directing leader has been shown up in the crisis to be not effective. Uh, and a way it's questioned a lot of the way that we led before this. Um, so we, took, we hear a lot of talk about empathetic leadership. We hear a lot of talk about um, greater empowerment, the leader that doesn't have all the answers. And this is seen by many of the people in, in this book, which we did as being the leadership that was most effective at the peak of the pandemic. And now the conversation around me, I'm interested to hear if, you, if this is what you, you guys are picking up, is if that was so effective at the peak of the pandemic, um, is that the leadership that we want to carry on with? And the resounding answer from people around about me is yes. And uh, one of the phrases that we use in this book is that COVID has caused the death of the superman leader. And we do mean the superman uh, leader. Um, and, you know, a new area of more caring, compassionate, empathetic leadership. And I think some of the people that I talked to about this, they've almost felt in the past that there has been a trade-off between compassion and empathy and empowerment and results. And I think what people are realizing now is that compassion, empathy, empowerment are really the enablers of better results and better performance. Um, and that's the kind of sea change that, that, that we're going through. Interested to see if that's what you're, what you're hearing as well. Well, I know that was for Alex, but what I wanted to point to is I'm experiencing exactly what you say in terms of leadership, but personally, the, the ongoing and sort of waves of the coronavirus and the lockdowns have brought me to a place where I'm actually more edgy in my everyday, right? So I'm being, I'm being maybe harsher with my children, with my family, with my loved ones, and with my coworkers. And yet, at the same time, recognizing that compassion and empathy is the way I quote unquote should be, right? Any any tips, tools, techniques, or um, tricks you've got for those of us that are sort of like on the wrong side of this, recognizing we want to be on the better side? Well, um, I think uh, I start with um, getting time to pause and reflect, and what works best for you in that. So at one um, level of that, you see a huge increase in the number of people who are um, engaging in mindfulness in, in some way, which can go from meditation um, to how they plan their day, particularly people who are in, in, in fully remote work situations, people who are in hybrid work situations, um, they are in danger of having replaced one um, hamster wheel, the hamster wheel of commute, office commute, with the hamster wheel of zoom, 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 right? And uh, they are realizing at all levels, particularly senior leaders, that that is not sustainable. So a lot of the people that I'm working with at a senior level, we spend a bit of time talking about the environment that they're working in, how we can change the environment, how they schedule their day, what they focus on, what the most valuable things are that they can focus on, what they can then uh, empower to others. But the, the, in the simplest of stuff, some of the things that we've been working with people on recently are Zoom, yeah, don't do it back to back all day. Start having 10-minute meetings, 20-minute meetings, just like you would in the office. You know, why would you, have, you wouldn't in the office have 60-minute meetings all day. Um, don't go Zoom, Zoom, Zoom. Do a walking meeting on the phone, you know, on your cell phone. Um, really look at the schedule of your day because what we've done in the last six months is in danger of burning a lot of people out. And, uh, you know, we've seen stats from, various surveys saying that I think uh, the last one that I saw, which was uh, for chief financial officers and senior accountants, 
was that 80% of them had felt some degree of burnout in the last 12 months. Um, so we, we need to look at how we are at, are at our ways of working uh, and a lot of the, the successful stuff where we're getting successes in our coaching is when we can encourage people to pause, to reflect, to reset, and to try and schedule um, their focus in a different way and really challenge them about, do you really need to do that? How are you, how are you going to shift the dial? Because we know that at the peak of the crisis, people focused on the most valuable stuff and they gave up. I don't know if this is a, a phrase in your world, but they gave up unproductive work. You know, the stuff that we were really shifting things around, but it wasn't, it wasn't going to what our big objectives were. Um, we didn't do that unproductive work. Um, so again, in, in corporations, in teams, we're talking about where's the unproductive work, guys? Can we stop doing the unproductive work? Where it gets slightly dangerous is that one person's unproductive work can sometimes be somebody else's data gathering or somebody else's um, compliance, regulatory compliance. So you, so you have you have to be careful on that. But bottom line here is we need to rethink the whole thing. What we were doing before COVID was pretty ineffective. What we've been doing through the phases of COVID is not an effective way of working in the future. I know that I have clients who have no concept of what's the unproductive work versus the productive work. They'll, you know, from outside, I can ask them things like, why do your clients need that? Or what do your clients get from that? And they'll say things like, oh, I don't, I don't know. I've just always done it. You know, I've always, I've always done my invoices this way or something. And it's like, great. Does that, do your clients care? And I, one of the, the, I've noticed that pattern that especially people that have been in business for a long time, they can't differentiate what's really important from what's not important. Is there a, a way that you support your leaders to really create a divide there? So it's, it's glaringly obvious. Well, I, th I think it's diving down into, it's the purpose conversation to start with, isn't it? What is the purpose? What are you really trying to achieve there, here? And then is, is that moving you any step along the way towards achieving that purpose? Um, there's a leadership book that I read a while ago, which was written by a former Olympic uh, rower, oarsman. And uh, he'd gone into um, business consultancy, perhaps business coaching. And the title of the book is, Will It Make the Boat Go Faster? And their conversation in their, their four-year or their eight-year Olympic cycle when they were doing various things is, guys, will that make the boat go faster? Um, now, Alex, I, suggest, I suspect um, if your clients are any like mine, the first conversation you need to have is identifying, you know, where do they want the boat to go? Uh, but then it's, it's coming back to that question. You know, is, is that really going to shift it or not? Does that, does that resonate with, with, with the conversations you're having? Yeah, absolutely. I think too, there's a, the subtle point of sometimes the thing that sometimes we go slower to go faster. Yeah. And that's a point that's missed a lot by, I think people that have been in business for a long time, doing the same things for a long time where you say, Hey, if we, if we change this or adjust this or step back, it actually will speed it up, but it's counterintuitive. Yeah. I think the other thing that I'm fascinated by at the moment because people are faced by this tsunami of change now not you know in their home lives their personal lives as, as well as in their work lives because they've all become muddled up so we've been doing a lot of work um, with the behavioral scientists about if we've got that much change if we have to adopt new habits so much is being thrown at us how do we do it? 
And one of the phrases that, that, that we'd hit on was achieving big goals through everyday actions. And if we identify that big goal, how can we break it down to two or three things that you will do differently every day? So this is the, the, the habit stacking of um, tiny habits and atomic habits, right? And what we've done is we've created technology that will help to support this in form of an app and um, a reporting suite that goes around the app. And we've been going into some uh, corporations and we will work with a team over 10 weeks and say, right guys, you know, what are we focused on? What's the big goal for the next 10 weeks? And then we will work coaching each individual member of the team, say, if that's the big goal, what are the three things you need to do differently today? They enter this in the app, they schedule it during their days and the app nudges you to take out these, to do these small actions. So in its simplest form, if you were a sales team, you know, we know that in sales, um, a lot of the process stuff, um, if you do it, you'll get there in the end. So contacting old clients, contacting new clients, maybe doing um, activity on, on social media. So we know that those are the inputs. So we input them as, as being the nudges, and then we make that part of the weekly coaching conversation. We worked with a, a small to medium-sized business. Their 10-week goal was to put a million on their a million dollars on their sales pipeline. Um, we hit three million after four or five weeks, and I think they did 4.6 over the 10 weeks. But I'm not just interested in being a sales tool. Where I'm really get interested is when it's a tool for cultural change. You know, when we say, well, we had these kind of behaviors before the crisis or during the crisis, these are the kind of cultural behaviors that, that we want in the future. Let's pop the nudges in to the system and, let, and let's see how we can get on. So I think we do thinking, a lot of people thinking really innovatively and how do we interface with technology to help our coaching deliver? You've been in a lot of industries and a lot of critical periods, a lot of different industries as, as they face different things, right? From horse racing to broadcast television. And uh, were you in the television side or the radio side for the BBC? I was in both, but um, I'm really a television guy. <laughs> Clear. But I ran, I ran teams in both, and of course, it all merged into uh, when all the digital and the online came along. But yeah, I'm a TV guy at heart. Thanks. It's uh, it's great to be with you. I'm I'm envisioning. So, at least first when I when I went into lockdown, I thought, oh, finally. Right. And we, I think, I think it's a common experience. I'll have the time to read, work out, do all the things that I hadn't been doing, because as you said, we were in one kind of a rat race, right? The, the commuting and getting from place to place and going from event to event rat race. And then I noticed that I didn't do those things. So it clearly wasn't the time. Right. And instead, I, as you say, you know, I filled my time with zoom and, and, uh, you know, um, other things and led sort of the same rat race. As you look, you know, we've now been through sort of a peak and a valley and now another peak of the of the lockdown. As you look at a post lockdown world, are there things that are valuable today and will be valuable in the post lockdown world? Or are you suggesting that leaders and coaches think about them as two very different periods? Like there's the the end of this lockdown until there's another peak. And then there's the post lockdown world and they're two very different environments. Well, I think it's been evolving all the way along, Christopher, hasn't it? Because we've kind of felt that it might end one day and we might wake up and it might be a different world and, that, and that's not really going to happen. Yeah. But I think what, what we know is that we've been in a lockdown world and that looked like a certain place. This hybrid world that we're probably going to come in, into um, will be quite different. Uh, and I think the leadership skills that you need 
to run a remote team or a hybrid team um, are probably different from if we're all sitting in the office, aren't they? The empowerment, the trust. Um, you know, we, we, we did a thing, um, we did a lot of uh, workshops, US, Europe, did a lot in India, helping people to lead out of lockdown. And really just out of conversations about what did they want to hold on to? You know, what actually worked well? And we talked about the compassionate bit, but one of the things that came out quite strongly was this trust. Because um, of the crisis we were going through and uh, because of the home working, the remote working, there was much greater trust. Uh, and that's one thing to put into the nudge machine and say, you know, how can, how can we hold on to that trust? How can we hold on to the compassion? How can we give up the unproductive uh, work? I'm, I want to look from now that you're out of media and you're on this doing you're, you're you know coaching your your writing books how do you think the lockdown has affected our our sense of reality in, in a way right you you used to be in the news you used to work in bbc and what it's pretty seemingly obvious is we all now have this different narrative of truth right there's people that don't the art your book isn't true or it is true right tv isn't true or it is true how does that, I'm not, I'm not actually interested in like the, your view of whether news is true, but how is that impacting like our leadership and moving into, you know, if Christopher's my boss, how do I believe him? How would I trust him? Like that we're, we've lost the sense of like, what is truth? What is trust? Well, Alex, I think it's a huge, huge challenge. Uh, you might say it's actually an opportunity for some of our big corporate leaders uh, because the, I mean, we, we spoke to 28 leaders for this book and we followed them through that first period of the crisis. The one thing that they were unanimous on was political leaders, wherever they were in the world, had failed us, had turned inwards, had, uh, had sown division. Um, and, uh, you know, and, and so it goes on. So we've really reached a point where so many of our political leaders, um, we've got a particular situation in the UK at the moment um, where our leaders are, you know, it's not, it's not the occasional untruth. Um, lying is the common thread of the political narrative. Now, in terms of role models, in terms of uh, the example that that sets to other people, you know, it's, it's absolutely appalling. Um, now, if you look on the bright side, actually quite a lot of our corporations were the people who collaborated globally, you know, who worked on uh, the vaccine together. Um, I mean, I, I did a, I mentioned that I've been doing quite a bit of work in, in India. Uh, the, the India situation was very stark for me. Um, so some of the people that I was working with in London, um, they were first world problems of homeschooling that they were dealing with, of back-to-back -back Zoom, of, uh, you know, the commute or not having the commute. And, and I don't um, diminish uh, the challenges that these people had. But the people we were working with in India would say, you know, there was 12 people in my team um, three or four months ago, and there's only eight people in my team because four of them have died. And uh, this is my perspective on that and, and, and what's important. And the, the corporations were doing a lot to, I mean, working very, very well, and there was a um, sisterhood and a brotherhood uh, that was spanning the world of people supporting their, their colleagues. So, so that was very uplifting. <laughs> 
And we, we kind of see that in the crisis, don't we? We, we see things that, that, this is a good Scottish word, Christopher, because uh, I'm Scottish. There's a Scottish word which is scunnered, right? Scunnered. And it just, it sounds like what it actually means. Just really hacked off. Um, <laughs> you know, so there's a lot that we see in this which really scunners us. And there's stuff, there's really strong, powerful human stuff that was going on during this crisis, which warms your heart uh, and, and brings out the best um, of, of, of humankind. And it was happening in corporations, it was happening in businesses, and it was happening colleague to colleague. Uh, and the other thing I would say is that um, we really saw this leadership at every level. So we did a bit of work, working with one of um, Europe's largest care home companies during the crisis. And they, a, th a thousand of their residents died, as, you know, as they did all, all around the world. A thousand residents died in the first hundred days of the crisis. Um, and we saw in that business leadership from the people in the kitchens leadership from the people who were on the reception, obviously from the care, from the care workers, you know, leadership was not something you, you had in your title. Um, leadership was something that came from the heart of, uh, of these people. So, uh, you know, fast, fascinating conversation about what is, what is leadership? It's not the big boss. The big boss is, is doing a bit of it. Um, what do we take from that coming out of uh, the pandemic? Christopher, are you hearing this? It's not the big boss. It's not the big boss. <laughs> I'll say it when we're not the big boss. And it's um, even more painful because Ethel has so many titles, right? To share, to share so I many know, more. I know, so. I know. Yeah, but what do, what do you do on these boards, you know? Yeah, it, re it really makes you question, you know, what, what is my purpose on, the, on these boards? And, I, and I've, I came to the conclusion, and the, these are not my, my words, but that your real purpose on the board is to create the environment where the other people can flourish. And as the chair of these boards, you've had your day. You had your chance. <laughs> it's not about you. It's about creating that environment where the other where the other people can really flourish and and hopefully connect and fulfill a purpose which uh, goes beyond what the next management accounts are. Tired of presentations with no impact, no inspiration, and no traction? Do dull speakers have you and your team disengaged and distracted by smartphones? Christopher McAuliffe brings energy, insights, and two decades of experience delivered with punch, humor, and heart. Your team will leave energized, uplifted, and with a sense of purpose. Visit ChristopherMcAuliffe.com to bring some heat to your next speaking engagement. M-C-A-U-L-I-F-F-E. ChristopherMcAuliffe.com. Are you seeking to change your career to something that is both fulfilling and challenging? Do you want to help people reach their full potential and strive to achieve their dreams? Would you like to inspire those around you and help create a better world? If you're serious about a career change or just want to explore the craft of personal coaching, contact Accomplishment Coaching with locations across the country in Washington, D.C., Seattle, Chicago, New York City, and San Diego. Accomplishment Coaching is the leading institution in personal coaching. Our staff carefully monitors the entire program live during the training process and have met the strict standards of ICF International to achieve accreditation. Through a focus on quality instruction rather than endless modules of training, Accomplishment Coaching will guide you from your very first step all the way to becoming one of the finest coaches in the world. Visit AccomplishmentCoaching.com to learn more. Accomplishment Coaching, where coaches lead and leaders coach. Christopher McAuliffe is your source for the latest in the world of personal coaching. Whether it be speaking with such luminaries as Deepak Chopra or getting the newest techniques and innovation, The Coaching Show is always on the cutting edge of what's happening now. The Coaching Show is brought to you by Accomplishment Coaching, home of the world's finest coach training program. Here is Christopher McAuliffe, Master Certified Coach. And that's, and that's consistent with what I heard you say earlier about sort of leadership going forward. A, a kinder, gentler, a more uh beneficial i want to say bene beneficent uh right the leader who is for others and at the same time and i'm going to contradict myself 
one of the things we've seen out of this lockdown is everybody seems to be uh, an entrepreneur all of a sudden. Everybody's got a side hustle. Everybody's got a, you know, wants to become a YouTuber or an influencer or something. And so it's so hard for even me as a consumer to find out if this is somebody who just started last week or somebody who's actually, you know, been been around or done some things or created something that I should follow. Um, yeah, are you noticing the same thing? And and what do you think this says about leadership coming out of the lockdown? Yeah, so I, so I do notice the same thing. And and a couple of people that um, I've been discussing this with in a coaching sense, we talk a lot about purpose, Christopher. And, you know, that's great, guys. And that's a great idea. And, and you know, good. What's the purpose? And when we can find a, a higher purpose in it, um, we're, we're kind of starting to get somewhere, I think. Uh, I mean, companies that um, we spoke to leaders for, for, the, for the book leaders in lockdown, we saw Unilever um, coming to a higher purpose through the need for soap and uh, cleansing materials and sanitary materials and in the middle of a pandemic. And that actually went back to 150 years to where that uh, business was founded because it was founded on the pandemics the choleras and the typhoids of the inner city slums of 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 england that's that's where it came from and there was almost a you know fulfilling its purpose i saw a brilliant documentary about the the people who were trying to discover the vaccine and and if you want to see people who are driven by purpose you know, and the energy that gave them the highs and the lows, you know, what higher purpose was there in this? You know, maybe the, maybe the people in the ICUs who were, who were, who were dealing with uh, um, trying to prevent the deaths. Yeah. But, but the people who were trying to get the vaccine and that would, that would potentially bring this um, to an end. Um, so great on purpose. And then I think it, the other thing that I've been doing quite a bit, I'm, I'm a big fan of Manfred Kett de Vries. I don't know if you're familiar with Manfred Kett de Vries. So Manfred Kett de Vries is, uh, uh, he's an older gentleman now. Um, he was Dutch by birth. And he's done a lot of work at INSEAD. And he would be seen by some coaches as being the father of um Psycho, psychodynamic coaching. Um, and I actually, I was doing a little coaching session earlier and I have, I have four of Manfred Ketz de Vries's, uh, um mantras written on my um, flip chart up here. I don't know if I can show my flip chart. I might even be able to show my flip chart if I'm, yeah, here we go. So I don't know how well you can read that, but a great deal of life lies outside our conscious awareness and as coaches our trick is to take people down into the unconscious the second one is we are defined by our emotions or my longer version of that is that we're defined by how we repress or express our emotions and i think that's really important as people look to see um, who are the up and coming leaders. How are you expressing? How are you dealing with disappointment? How are you dealing with transition? Third one, we're all products of our past, aren't we? So we're shaped, who we are today is all about who we were in the past and we can't get away from that. And then the fourth one I have on here is, there is a rationale behind every human act, but it's often not obvious or immediately obvious and then you know these are quite good things to to get down into that deeper bit of the conversation um, when we're coaching to try and bring bring sense to what's going on with people as they start to decide what am i going to do as i come out of this pandemic how am i going to lead Well, thank you for the introduction to these ideas, these statements, as well as to the work 
of Manfred Ketz de Vries. I can't believe that I didn't know about this person. So thank you. He, I can recommend one piece of work that he's got. I mean, he's prolific as a writer, but I quite like the, the uh, a relatively recent work that he's done, which is called The CEO Whisperer. And he talks about his, uh, you know, you know, I can't remember who was in the film, The Horse Whisperer, but um, the CEO Whisperer, and he, and he talks about really some of the, the real life situations that he's dealt with, with chief executives, um, probably through, through the last 50, 60 years. Beautiful, thank you so much. Manfred Ketz, K-E-T-S, uh, new word, D-E, new word, V-R-I-E-S, the CEO Whisperer published, it looks like in uh, 2020. Very good. Thanks for that. We want to touch on, I know you have seven themes for leadership in lockdown. You just gave us someone else's mantras. Let's, let's get yours. Okay. So I'm quite interested in, you know, coming to chat to you guys today. Um, just to look and see, these, these were thoughts um, in August, September 2020, how have they stood the test of time? And, and I think they probably have. And, and one, one of them uh, uh, is, is, is really come ahead, I think, uh, or many of them have come ahead in, in, in the last few months. So the seven themes are, and I can rattle them off now. One, the new age of purpose. We've, talk, we've talked about that, you know? Coming out of this and, and in the crisis, those who had a clear personal or corporate purpose did better. What does that mean going forward? You know, and, and many of the businesses I've worked in have paid lip service to purpose down through all the years. They've been hollow words on their website. Uh, but now, if they're not real, if you're not real about purpose, probably not going to engage your employees. You're probably not going to engage your customers and you may not engage your investors either. So, you know, it's a serious moment for purpose. The new world of work is number two, you know, and we've all talked about that, moving these millions and millions of people um, to home working. And when will they go back? How many will go back? What will it look like? The third one was tackling inequality and the fact that, the, you know, the, the virus widened inequality in so many ways from, you know, who's getting the vaccine to who has been made unemployed to inequality around a bit of education, just, just so many ways. Uh, the fourth one was rebuilding, uh, was global cooperation or really the lack of global cooperation. And you see that there's diplomatic um, uh, fault lines really that, are going to go on for many years. Um, fifth one is resilience, you know, resilience. So not just um, financial resilience of who had the better balance sheets to see it through or operational resilience, who could pivot, terrible word pivot, don't like that, but, but uh, you know, a lot around about that mental welfare and uh, physical welfare and how resilient are we as individuals. Um, sixth one, which, um, you know, at the time in, in summer 2020, wasn't as obvious to see that a lot of the leaders in the book talked about resetting the supply chain. Um, and then, wow, you know, we've gone through a few phases uh, recently where we can't get stuff. We just can't get stuff, whether it's semiconductors or whether it's building products, depends where you are in the world. At one stage in the UK, although it didn't last long, you know, we had a, an issue with, uh, with gas, with fuel. Um, and then my seventh and final one, which is where the real meat is for us folks, is maximizing potential. How do we actually maximize the potential of individuals, uh, of teams, of businesses, of corporations as, as we come out of this? And you know that the, when you came to maximizing potential, one of the things that fascinated me, because most of the people in here are big entrepreneurs, was mindset. They saw opportunity or they approached 
this, putting a, putting aside the terrible human tragedy, um, these leaders were trying to see where was the where was the opportunity, where was the opportunity for their business, for their people, uh, where were the new trends, uh, you know, and that that mindset of opportunity, I think, is 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 fascinating. It's almost a little bit of a test, isn't it? I get it that we'll all be you know, deeply worried for our families and for ourselves when, when something like this comes along. But how quickly do we flip to saying, well, what's the opportunity in this? These are these are each so deep, and I'm so sorry we're getting into to them rather late in the conversation because I feel like we could have, you know, done some good deep dives into each one of these. One of the things I'd like to um, share to get your viewpoint you know, I, I run a business as you do, and and my business for the first, I don't want to say, we, let's say we've got two cycles a year. So the first four cycles, you know, it went down a bit, right? Down 20%, I can live with that. 20 more percent, okay, that's unfortunate. 20 more percent, now I'm a little worried. 20 more percent, now I'm, now I'm rethinking some things, right? And, um, and at that point, I started making changes and doing that, but now I feel like I'm in a hole and I'm trying to play catch up to the actual issue, right? It took a while. And then we've had another downturn in business. And so now I'm I'm adding stress and self-blame and other things to it. And I imagine you've experienced this in during the lockdown with a number of leaders. On the one hand, I'm hearing the importance of clarity of purpose and maybe sort of doubling down on your core business or your number one priority in business. On the other hand, I'm getting caught up in the in the desire to innovate and create and and you know come up with new and different and exciting products. But I'm concerned that by doing that I'll I'll take what resources I have and be thin, spreading them too thin or pointing them in too many different directions. Is this something you've seen in other organizations and addressed? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, the, everything has been thrown up in the air, hasn't it? Um, the, the experiences, the business experiences have been really quite different. So everyone seems to be a bit stressed out of, out of it, right? Some people are, are stressed because the business has been decreasing and they've been trying to find new products or new markets. Other people are stressed because they've not been able to cope with the demand. You know, <laughs> um, and, and it's these different parts. And of course, if you're in hospitality or, or travel, you know, generally you're just in a, ter in a terrible um, situation, which probably nobody could, could, could conquer um, because of your lot. Uh, I, I still come back to some of, the, some of the simple stuff here, Christopher, and is, so have we got have we got time to reflect. Have we got time to pause and reflect. And what what why have why has there been an upsurge in coaching? I've certainly seen an upsurge in coaching because people have realized that they need someone independent, neutral, with an external view who they can bounce this stuff off. They need somebody to talk to. You know, it's never been truer than you know, we we say. It's a, it's a lonely place to be the CEO. Well, my goodness, it was a lonely place during all this stuff. And who was who there to say to the CEO, how are you doing? How are you doing? You know, maybe when the, when, maybe when the, uh, the, the chair asked that, it wasn't as easy to answer right. <laughs> honestly as one would like to. As when the coach asked it, how are you doing? Well, actually, I'm I'm really scared about a whole bunch of things here. Yeah. You know, I'm scared about I'm scared about what's happening with my family. I'm scared about what it means about me as a leader. Will I ever be another chief executive if this just flips the other way in the next uh, in the next six or eight weeks? You know, the, these are things that you might not want to express to the chair of your advisory board. But you do need to, you, you can bottle it up. Bottle it up, it's, it's the worst uh, way of, well, it's not a way of trying to cope, cope 
uh, with it. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know if I gave you an answer, but but I, I would start from the reflect, pause, talk to someone about it, bounce the ideas off, and normally we can find a way through. And I, I come back to, you might not see the end, but even in your coaching conversation, if you can come up with the baby steps to get going, you know, and then we come back, okay, you know, three, three of the baby steps worked, two of them didn't, fine, it's not a problem. Where are we this week? We're actually, we're three steps further forward than, than we were two weeks ago. Where, where do we go now? Yeah. Well, you actually touched on a, a beautiful point there, and then I'll, I'll uh, let Alex squeeze in here. But the, the thing that I love about what you said is, you know, fear is fear, right? And when we're a certain age and have silver hair and that sort of thing, and we are scared, it looks different than when we're five, or <laughs> than when we're five, right? You know, when, when we're five or four or three, somebody who's scared comes saying, you know, ah, I'm scared and you give them comfort and solace and tell them it's going to be okay, right? When somebody's 55 and they come and they, and they say they're scared, it shows up very differently and we generally don't provide that, although the need might be the same as a five-year-old, right? Reassurance, comfort. Go ahead. Absolutely. And, you know, the, the fear is so strong there when people have become so... You know, people are at that stage, a lot of very, very senior people find it difficult to separate uh, the job from the person. Right. Uh, and if the, if the job is, is going to go wrong, then you can be ripping their heart and their soul out. And I actually need someone to point out that the job is just the job. <laughs> Your life is something different and it's probably at home. Uh, with your husband or your wife or your family. I don't know. Christopher's, what you shared before made me think of something and I'm curious actually to get both of your, maybe this is a good place for us to kind of head towards a wrap up is to get both of your takes on this as people that have been running and owning businesses much longer than I have. Something I've noticed is it seems like the what we've seen over the you know COVID and the pandemic is I've related to it as a magnifying glass. It didn't necessarily, unless you were, unless it made you sick, killed you, did something like directly harmed you. It really just acted as a magnifying glass to really shine on things that were already there. Um, especially in smaller I think that became more glaringly obvious in smaller businesses than bigger businesses. There's just a lot more places to look when they're bigger businesses. So for both of you to, to reflect on, I'm curious, like when you, Christopher, when you say like, you, you say like, hey, it went down 20%, 20%. Do you think that, do you both think that it, it's a magnifying glass of things that were already going on? Or do you think that when something like this happens, it's strictly new issues that you're trying to deal with? So I, I don't think there were any new trends out of the crisis. I think what you saw was a, a huge acceleration of trends. So, so even in terms of this moving away from command and control to empowerment and compassion, that was all happening. If you look at the acceleration of uh, digital, that, that was all happening. But, but we did 10 years in... Uh, in 10 months so you know that, that that would be my first thing about it but my real challenge to myself and any other leaders who are interested in listening is every change that we brought about during covid we could have done without covid why did we not do it and we didn't do it because we're not very good at delivering change. And it, it happened during COVID because the people in the organizations saw the necessity, the need, the urgency, and they were bought in um, to deliver those changes to, for the businesses to survive. 
so the real the real message out of this is we're not very good at being leaders you know so we we did quite rightly and 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 you know i did a little bit of it to myself we patted ourselves on the back other leaders you know great guys wonderful look we dealt with all that covid stuff and, and we got through it and it was crazy and we never got there um, and the business looks like this now yeah yeah but why didn't you do that before covid uh, too difficult busy busy doing other stuff couldn't get the people to buy in we tried it a couple of times but wasn't right it's that's, really that's the real human insight into this why did we not create the change that we did create without covid and it's it's because of change management change leadership and getting inspiring motivating people to to come with us on the journey ethel i thought we'd have uh two different things to say but i i resonate completely with what you said that is the the sudden downturn you know even 20 percent per cycle is not not too sudden right it's not a it's not falling off a cliff but it got my attention as a business owner right had that been a five percent over a longer time i'm fat and happy i would have ignored it you know longer right but the nice thing about it being sort of condensed or as you said accelerated is that i it got my attention oh my gosh we got to do something right and now i'm you know grumpy about it and sad and scared and all the things but i'm actually addressing the thing which i could have easily gone a couple more years in normal quote unquote normal times right so i, I agree 100 percent from my experience and there was a there was a phrase that um we used to use in news which was the job of journalism is to bring discomfort to the comfortable well you know maybe maybe the job of executive coaching is to bring a bit of discomfort to the comfortable It's beautiful. Alex, any follow-up or does this feel like a good time to wrap up? It feels like a good time to wrap up and it's great to just hear you both, you know, as someone, like I said, in the more earlier stages, seven years, eight years of business ownership, which doesn't feel like nothing anymore, but still feels like early to look at, you know, what, what I can learn from you both in, in sharing and, and what other young, you know, everybody's an entrepreneur, as CRISPR said. Um, so what other young coaches and entrepreneurs can learn um, about when things turn, it's usually a magnifying glass. So thanks for that. Thanks for both answering. I have been remiss as a host because nobody knows, although we all have learn so much from Athol Duncan that nobody knows how to reach him. <laughs> so Athol is the the uh, prime uh, the primary uh, or principal at the edge coaching and consultancy. And you can find them on the web at the is it hyphen or dash, Athol? Dash, yeah. Dash. The dash edge consultancy. That's the with a little hyphen E-D-G-E consultancy, C-O-N-S-U-L-T-A-N-C-Y dot com. Um, you're also available at LinkedIn under your name, Athol, A-T-H-O-L. Yeah, I mean, the great thing about having a slightly different name is if you go on LinkedIn and you put in Athol, A-T-H-O-L-L, probably wherever you are in the world, you'll find me, Athol Duncan. Indeed, the book is Leaders in Lockdown. And um, is there an opportunity for people to work with you one-on-one uh, -on -one, or do you only work in corporate or organizational? Uh, no, we, we work one-on-one, -on -one. Uh, we work with teams, um, we um, do a lot of work with high potentials, um, and through the Black Isle Group, which is another business that I'm involved in, that's where we're developing the nudge technology and the, the approach that I talked about there. And one of the things that's been denied of me is getting to, because I do a lot of work in the U.S., um, I haven't been to the U.S. throughout the pandemic, but I'm going to be in New York from March the 23rd. So I'm, uh, I'm getting back uh, there and I'm really looking forward to that and meeting all my uh, friends in New York. Wonderful. And, and where is home for you? I, I see London behind you, but is that actually London? Well, I'll tell you this as long as you don't tell anyone else. All right. Uh, I, work, I work mainly out of London. Okay. Um, but 
during COVID, we created this studio here. I live in, uh, in Scotland. And for anyone listening who is into their golf, I'm in the middle of golf country in Scotland on the, on the east coast of Scotland. And I jump on a train to London and, um, and do my stuff down there. So, well, we're very grateful. My to clients have you. think I'm in London. <laughs> there may still be enough light for you to get out on the links today. Uh, it's so wonderful to be with you. And again, the Edge Consultancy. Uh, .com, the hyphen edge consultancy.com or uh, LinkedIn or anywhere you can find Athol, A T H O L L D U N C A N. Also, we want to point you to the book Leaders in Lockdown. Check it out wherever fine books are sold. Alex Terranova is a professional certified coach, also an author. His uh, book, <laughs> it's so funny. I've published it, but I've uh, forgotten the title. You can find Alex on Instagram at, at inspirationalalex, and then we'll all find the title together. Um, he's also a contributor to Redefining Masculinity. Um, Alex, thank you. You can find him. I told you about Instagram. Anything else I should have said? Oh, our longtime sponsor of this program is Home of the World's Finest Coach Training Program. That's Accomplishment Coaching with uh, coach training programs now registering all across North America and, since it's virtual, anywhere in the world, really. I thank you to Athol, I thank you to Alex, and my thanks to you, dear listener, for being with us each and every week as we bring you people out on the cutting edge of coaching, leaders, pioneers, and people you just need to know about. I thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you next week. That's it for today's episode. Thanks for listening to The Coaching Show. We will talk to you next week.